0: In this episode, you will meet JP Calkins. He is a professional salesman and my very first supervisor at Best Buy. We worked closely together for a period of years and I know him very well. And the reason why I asked him to be on this show is because he never quit. He just kept pushing forward through the grind of working retail, through the grind of trying to get a job that he felt he wasn't qualified for and creating a strategy to get an interview. And he worked his butt off to get the position that he has now, which I find very inspiring but also because sales people in general they don't get a good rap and so I wanted to provide insight into what that experience is like because sales is a noble profession. This interview was recorded a month ago prior to the stay-at-home restrictions so that's why we film studio and I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios-McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Today we have Mr. J.P. Calkins. We used to work together at Best mm-hmm. Buy, so former colleague, and um, now we are kind of sharing family experiences, professional experiences. We're adulting. We're adulting, <laughs> basically. And uh, while Basically. we're we're recording this, it's a Sunday morning. Yes, so that's why we have the mimosas. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're <laughs>
1: just so you guys know, this is Hot Mess Express.
0: This is Hot Mess Express.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Well, thank you. Thank Thanks you for, thank being you for here. having me. This is great. It.
1: It's a good reason to get up a little earlier and uh, not have little kids around me. So
0: yes, I'm I,
1: enjoying this already. I know, right? You have a little
0: bit of free time.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: a little me time.
1: Yes. Do you know yes. what that is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give the audience a little background.
1: Um, from Juliet, uh, married to Grace. She's amazing. Um, I have three kids Miranda, who's five, and then twin boys, Cannon and Carson. I'm sure you've got to meet them. They're yep. three years old, and uh, they are setting the world on fire, literally. Um, got my start in retail and worked my way up through medical sales, um, running a business right now. In my free time, which means it's probably not getting ran because I don't have free time. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: you have no free time. Right,
1: right. No, it's, and we'll get into that too. It's it's nice to have that business, but all of that kind of stems from maybe finding your niche. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the one thing I always tell people is, you know, when they say, how'd you do it? What'd you do? Well, you can't just say, I want to do something or I want to find a hustle. If you find yourself using that word, you got to define the word hustle first. Yeah. What does
0: that word mean to you?
1: When I hear other people use it, I, I, I use it. Right. And when I do that, I automatically not judge, but I start to dissect. Okay. And the first thing I say is, is that a hustle as in you want to hustle me or you want to hustle somebody oh. or you want to hustle a market? Maybe you're not hustling a person, but you're hustling a market or you're going to hustle. So when somebody says, how did you find your side hustle?
0: Oh, yeah. I make them tell hustle.
1: me, what's your idea of a side hustle? And yeah, I decide they're. If I really want to talk to him about it or not, maybe, maybe educate him a little bit and say, well, first of all, you're not in the right mindset. If you're looking for something that's going to get you a supplemental income Mm -hmm. that will replace your job because you don't want to work anymore, it's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to fail, you know, but if it's, if it's something you truly are passionate about and your job allows you to have that outlet because you're happy in your job and you can think straight and you can come from a good place, then it's good. Yeah. Then you'll make it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. But it's rare. It's rare yeah. when you have a job that's understanding, a job that's supportive and flexible. Shout
1: out come to you.
0: <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah. And also to get to a place where you feel that you have the time, that you have the energy, that you have the the even the resources or the availability to give something else, you know, of yourself
1: for that passion project. Yeah, that's a that's a sticking point with me. Um, I always talk to people and they'll ask me, what about this? What about that? You know, because we, you know, we both worked at Best Buy. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, that place gave me everything I have today, including my wife, including friends like you, you know, Johnny, Raul. I, I mean, God, it's, it was better than high school. You know, I have some high school friends that I am still lifelong friends with, but that's like a group of six guys and we spent four years together. You know, we spent a lot more than that. You know, I I was there for nine years Yeah, and we weren't there for just seven to three. We were there, you know, Black Fridays. We were there on weekends, holidays. Like we were, the time we gave up with our family, we were spending together. Yes. So it was like, High school on steroids, yeah, or it was like or college or, or yeah. I mean, right?
0: I learned so I, I I started working at Best Buy after graduating college mm-hmm. because I couldn't find a job. Like it was so hard because everyone wanted experience, and I had experience at a law firm. I had experience, you know, working at a as a sales manager, yeah. but not as a professional like uh, marketer or in the in, right. you know agency you know industry. So that was hard, and Best Buy was a door that became open. Um, story for another day, mm-hmm. uh, but that's where we met, and yeah. that's where you go and you spend all of your time there. Yeah, there's, there's no free time when you're working. No, Best Buy.
1: no, and it's because I mean they did some good things.
0: I... At least when you're working in our positions, where we, we were wrecking. in leadership positions, mm-hmm. and that's where you give up more. For regular sales associates, it's a great job, great yeah. part-time job. High schooler. Oh my god! Perfect job.
1: Play with toys. Clock in. Clock out. Yeah,
2: I told
0: John, John. Living. I'm like, hey, boy, you better go play.
1: Plus, we need that discount. We we need that, yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and we're not gonna do that. No, I mean, <laughs> wait. Did they change it? If we live in the same roof, or is it? Did they change that? Um, we'll ask know. one of you guys. One of you guys that still work there. We need that info. <laughs> I've been grooming my kids to. I even put the polos on them and everything. Yeah, because I I need some new stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Okay,
0: so let's start there. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about Best Buy, how you ended up there, and what it offered
1: you. Okay, so I love music. Like, I played in band, I played the trumpet, I love guitar, uh, I played around with drums a little bit. I absolutely love music. Ever since I was little, I had to have music on to go to bed. Um, If the car was going, I needed music. I had headphones. I just really like it. It lets me come out of myself and just kind of relax and go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's always been that way. So when I got my first jobs, it was, you know, the, the rite of passage. Everybody has to work at that restaurant, you know, for at least six months, you know, so you do that. But I, hate, I hated it. You hated it. You know, I, I always respect people that work in the food industry, because I absolutely despised it.
0: Can you imagine being that person between a hungry person
1: and their food? I was in the back like, cooking. Oh, I was a breader at Brown's Chicken So all my Hill people, we all did our time. So we all, we all had to get a job there. One of my friends, even (laughs) he got a job there and quit that day just to say I did it because we all had to work there at that Brown's Chicken, but I just couldn't do it. I didn't like the smell of my clothes. I could smell it three days later on me. Um, It was always grimy. I just didn't, I didn't like it. And I even volunteered later, later on to serve uh, food at a, at a convalescent center. And Is that I why? It. No, no. I, this was later, like when I was twenty-one. Okay, I hated it at sixteen. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't stand it, but um, I did it later on. But I still couldn't. I, could, I just couldn't stand it. I, I wasn't good at it. Yeah, and that's probably what it was. But then I saw Circuit City, and I saw that because you know when you're younger, you know, oh my gosh, computers, internet's coming out, and video games and CDs. Well, I worked at Musicland actually before that. And everybody knows you don't buy CDs in the mall. At least you knew that now, but back then you didn't. But back then that was where you bought CDs. Sam Goody Music Land Record yeah, Town. That's I where mean, you went. Yeah, and I still remember eighteen thirty-one. That's how much a CD was after tax. $18? Eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars and thirty-one cents. Because CDs were sixteen ninety-nine. We used to have a contest where my boss would put up Maxell uh, blank tapes by the single, and she'd be like, "Whoever sells the most every day." gets a free cd well i heard free cd i didn't hear sell i was like, oh my god i love music i'm gonna get a free cd so it was a dollar with a sale a blank tape and everybody had a tape deck in their car not a cd player mm-hmm. so you know what i would say what oh yeah this is a great cd where do you listen to it the most well in your car i'd love to listen to it in my car but i don't have it i don't a have tape
0: a yeah i have a tape deck not I a have cd a tape deck
1: it's a buck you know you're gonna go home and you're gonna to want to record this and you don't have a blank tape. Here's one for a dollar. Every single time. Every single time.
0: Oh wait, so you would have them buy the C D record it on a tape deck and then use no, that. I, whatever they did with the tape was on that
1: afterwards. I was just selling them <laughs> okay, so a blank tape so I could get the free C D from my boss because she would keep scoring and be like, Okay, you sold two, Paul sold three. A P there's no way you sold you sold twenty seven blank tapes today. Yeah, she's like, you rang up twenty eight things. I'm like, yeah. She's like, absolutely. Where's my free CD? <laughs> and they always let me pick it. Yeah. So I mean, you're telling somebody that loves music, here's what you could do to get more music. I just found a need and I met it. You're gonna listen to that in your car. You don't have a CD player? Let me help you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that came from. So then on to Circuit City uh, because CDs were 10.99, and I just didn't feel right selling CDs at Musicland when you could walk down the street and buy them for 10.99. And you see kids using their hard-earned money, and I was 18 at the time, but 16-year-old kids, 13-year-old kids, and you're like, you can save a couple bucks mm-hmm. walking down the street. So I went there to sell CDs. Because it was better value for the customer. And it felt good to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could sell so many more CDs at ten ninety nine than I can at 18. Yeah. And I was going to school at the time, too, so it was just a fun place to be. But that's where things, I always tell people when they get caught in a job, is it's very easy to get caught doing something you're doing. I'm doing it well. I'm paying for all the things that I could ever want. This is comfortable. I'm just going to keep doing it. So that's what, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well then I got in, I got into sales because the small electronics guy would miss work frequently. Yeah. You know, selling uh, CD Walkmans and tape Walkmans and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that paid commission back then. So I learned how to do it. And when he wouldn't go to work, I would step over there and sell it mm-hmm. and my numbers were huge so the manager's like I'm going to promote you and I remember thinking if I go there I may start something that I might like and I may never go back to school so I was really hesitant um but I did it I had a I had a minor thing well a major thing happened in my life at, at one point and at that time yeah what yeah. was it? Do you mind? Yeah. It was a, a girl I dated in high school for about two years. She was killed in a car accident
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the day after Valentine's Day. And I worked there at the time. And when something like that happens, imagine your life as like a big blanket. And you know how when you do something, you kind of like if you flip that blanket, it it ripples across. Mm-hmm. There's things in your life that make your blanket move and they, it ripples all across. That's one of the things. It just – my life from before that moment, after is different. Just different. The length, I mean, it was two but, years. And, but when you're 18, Yeah. That's, this is your first holy, love. You this is the person yeah. you're going to marry. Yeah.
0: This is your life. Right. You know, right. just at that age, you get in a fight with someone and it's oh. the
1: world's over. It, right? It because
0: epic. it's – this is your identity right. and, and your companion. And yes. I get that. Yes. It's your best
1: friend at the time too. Yes. It's
0: everything. I think it's be as adults – to kind of minimize yeah. like any type of high school traumatic event um, because we forget what it's like at that time. We yeah. only see the lens of larger picture, time passes, other things happen. But when you're in that moment. Oh, man. Ugh.
1: Especially if you don't have people around you that know how to handle that. Yeah. You have to Who don't know out. how to counsel
0: you, mm-hmm. maybe don't mm-hmm. understand. How did you deal with that?
1: I don't think I dealt with it very well. At all, okay. I don't think until a couple years ago did I really deal with it. Wow, yeah. Um, One of the things I chose to do was stay at Circuit City because it was like comfort. Mm -hmm. Like I just met these people; they they like me. I'm doing really well at this job. I'm just going to come here as much as I can. Yeah, you know. So that was one of the things I did. You get especially males at 18. I mean, I'm probably going to make some people mad here, but we're not very bright. Before we turn 25. Actually, we're not very bright. But before <laughs> we turn 25, we're 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 pretty bad. We okay. do some really stupid stuff. Okay. And my sons are three. And I could see it in them. Like, are you kidding me? Like, my daughter's five. And she never did. You're a she meathead. Doesn't do- <laughs> like, you're a meathead. You know, like, just the, the craziest, wackiest. Thing. Like, something you would yell at a puppy for, my sons are doing. <laughs> so now I'm starting to think, oh, my God. When did I stop acting like a meathead? And I know it wasn't then. God. You know, so everything was about healing the moment. So yeah. it wasn't about what I was planning on doing in my life. It mm-hmm. was how do I get through today? Yeah. And, and getting through today was going to work and listening to music and having friends around me that I met. Yeah. You know, just it was like a life change. I could change. I could get rid of my old life and start a new one. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. And that's
0: what you did, essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's exactly what I did. And, you know, lots of missteps along the way. Um, I tried counseling for a day. What happened? We didn't connect. I, I, I see that now. It's, she didn't know how to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Had she known how to talk to me or found out a way to talk to me, I know now it would have been beneficial. Was it
0: a high school counselor? Or no, or no. Just like an outside
1: yeah, party? It was, okay. Yeah, my parents didn't know what to do. So they just called someplace and took me and sent me out. Yeah. It was hard on my, mo- on my mom to do. My sister was in kindergarten at the time. Wow. And she was in pieces. Yeah. My mom was wrecked. Um, my dad didn't know what to do. And he just kept saying, I don't know what to do. You know, so they just took me somewhere and dropped me there for an hour. You go save him. um, there's something wrong. We're crying and he's just staring at a wall. Yeah. You know, can you knock on his head and see if he's okay? And she said some things that she didn't she didn't get my beliefs at the time. So the first thing she did was ask me about God. Oh. You're going to ask an 18-year-old male about God when you, everything just got taken from him, and the one thing he probably did was beg God for this not to happen? Yeah. You know, as the news was coming down? That didn't work at all. That was it. Shut off. I was like, nope. Nope. Not doing it. All right. We're 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 cool now, right? We're done? Yeah, we're done. We're that done. Was it. Yeah. Never tried it again. Um, So to say I dealt with it, I don't think I did. I think it was time and people and... You know, finding finding my place professionally that got me to finally dip back and deal with it because I never dealt with it. I just would do things bury, yeah, yeah. To push you'd it, move on, push it far away, push it far away, and not not her so much because she was always there. Yeah, but the feeling and the mem the memories like get it out, like create some memories or kill some brain cells <laughs> to get that.
2: Yep. Out. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think recently. I saw some people from high school about two years ago when one of our teachers, Mr. Valkama, retired. And we had him together in band. And there was a reunion and typically I wouldn't go. I just couldn't deal with it because that hangs over my head too. People see you 20 yep. years later and they're like, that happened to him. Don't yeah. ask. and just So you see people looking at you like, oh, hey. How are you? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm Fine. Let's Let's talk about some things. But I would avoid things like that because of that. I didn't want to feel that the eyes on me and I wasn't going to go because I was afraid of all the rush of memories. But I kept in touch with a lot of people from there and they were like family and they would you know they truly loved me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just looked at Grace the day the day of his he had a little party and I'm like you know what I got to go.
0: I oh I wait, aggressive. Who's who? I'm been? sorry.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Volkemay had a retirement party. Oh, okay. And I'd been invited and I'm like I I don't so know you it. went, yes.
0: And then I Grace, who is your wife now, she yes. went with you.
1: No, wait. What? No, I wasn't going to go to this. Okay. The day it was going on, it my messages are going crazy. Come on, we want to see you. We haven't seen you in twenty five years. We haven't seen. No, I don't want to do it. And I would still. I was just stuck mentally. A couple times I could feel myself, and I'm like, maybe this is the thing that'll get it, get me past it. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me like that. And I said, Grace, I'm going to go. And she's like okay do you need to go alone and I was like I think I do Mm. I think I need to go alone alone Mm -hmm. because maybe I'm gonna cry yeah (laughs) or maybe that's the end of it Mm -hmm. And long story short it was the end of it it was everybody getting it just everybody treated me normal you know it was I saw some people you know I hadn't seen in a long time and none of that stuff came up and it was just, how are you? Oh my God, this. Is and I felt it. I felt the page turn that day. And I remember driving home, and I called Grace. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's over. Like I can get past it, mind you. This is only two years ago. Yeah. So this happened in 1996. Isn't that crazy? It happened in 1996. And two years later, I remember. Exactly two years was, ago. Two years ago, I remember exactly where I was sitting. When I felt, I physically felt the page turn. Wow, and it,
0: you it's something you're holding. You're yeah. really literally carrying yeah. this whole time. Mm-hmm.
1: And it drives your fears, it drives your decisions. You don't want to go too far because then you're far away from it, you feel bad. You know, if you feel yourself moving up, are you moving up in a way? Did you Are you running from it? You know, like how, how often are you going to run from it? How long are you going to continue to run from it? Mm-hmm. You know And I think that's when I talk about getting stuck, back to how I ended up at Best Buy, that's how. I got stuck in retail sales because I buried myself in that.
0: That was your uh, release. Yeah. This is the way that you coped. I wanted to It was to be your a coping lawyer. mechanism.
1: Yeah. I was going to school. I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But I had a, a fear of speaking in front of people.
0: How ironic.
1: It's kind of weird. You're
0: like the master speaker.
1: <laughs> so that's also, I was like, I'm going to get into the sales job because it's going to force me to, to do this, yeah. and I, it's going to make me a good lawyer. That's the only thing I think I need to be a good lawyer. So I forced myself there, and she thought it was a great idea. She's like, I love talking to you, but you can't talk in front of people. You get so scared. You need to do this. So that was another thing, too. Oh, I,
0: I think anyone who knows <laughs> you would be so surprised to learn. Probably. How you have a fear <laughs> of talking, and like you had a fear, yeah. because- that's what you do. You yeah. and, and circles and friend networks. You are the talker. Yeah, that's and you're good at it.
1: That's the part I'm glad you said because I am hard on myself. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, I talk too much. And, and sometimes you do, and I there's did.
0: nothing wrong with this. This is who you are, right? I, like, no, I don't this like is kind of who you are. <laughs> I don't
1: like you're it. You're a good talker. You like to talk, so talk. Ah, it's not that I like it. It's just it doesn't stop. But <laughs> that, that's what happened is I thought – you, you open that door and all right, of a sudden it's, – it's, it's, it's over. <laughs> but I thought if you pay me based on having to talk, yeah, I'm going to get good at it. And I did. And plus it was one of those things where it was like you can't do that. Nobody can do that. Nobody. Cell phones were just coming out. Mm-hmm. And that particular Circuit City, nobody was selling them. And I'm like, why aren't you guys selling these things? I bet there's a ton of money to be made in them. They're like nobody knows – and I grew up in Juliet, mm-hmm. so everybody shopped with their wallet. I can't afford these. I'm like, okay, I can't either. But people are coming for them. They they probably can. Yeah. And so I trained myself how to program a cell phone, how to sell them the plans, and I started selling cell phones. And I was making eighty dollars a cell phone. Like that's a lot of money for a 18 year old kid back then, especially. Mm-hmm. You didn't need a lot of money in nineteen ninety-six mm-hmm. to to yeah. buy I think what
0: gas was ninety-nine cents, maybe a dollar twenty nine. Ninety eight cents. Yeah, like
1: yeah. I remember movies was
0: twenty bucks. Yeah. You can go to the movies and get concessions mm-hmm. and a ticket for under twenty dollars. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was the thing is cell phones were a thousand dollars. But if you activated it, paid for the activation, which was a hundred and fifty dollars. And you selected your plan and paid for the first month and mm-hmm. you got the phone for free. Mm-hmm. So I would tape pennies to the boxes of cell phones. And they'd be like, what's that? I'm like, if you do this, this, and this, that's how much. I'm going to buy your phone for you. And people see that $1,000 price tag on a cell phone. They're like, what? So you're going to buy me the phone. All I have to do is select a plan, which I have to do anyway. I'm like, yeah. That's it. You do have to pay for activation. And you have to pay for your first month.
0: Well, yeah, I don't get the penny part because if they did the activation and the they pay for the first month, the phone was free, so all, they'd basically be paying
1: a penny. Well, for I the couldn't phone. tape nothing to the box. Yeah, but that was a yeah. good,
0: uh, a good, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like, and I called them penny phones. Yeah, I'm like, no, we have penny phones here. Like, what? That's yeah, a we don't Star have a thousand dollar phone. We have yeah. penny phones. <laughs> that's a, that's a Motorola. That's a Star tech. That's a remember Prime the Cole. razors? That was, oh, this is <laughs> the way blueberries. That. No, 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 the blackberries. blackberries. <laughs> this was we're talking like uh, the first. Flip phones like the Startax, right before that.
0: I I only remember the Razors. Like, oh if God. I have to think back of phone iterations, I think Razor as you're, like the
1: first phone. I'm going to send you some pictures of the phones we sold. Or the black
0: to... phones. You remember the black phones?
1: Mm-hmm. Just before that. <gasps> really? Yeah. Not, okay. are you mean brick phones? Brick, black. That, no, yeah. it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> the phones were still about this big, but they were. Thick depending on the battery. Okay. And the the better the battery, the thicker the phone. So yeah. Some people got really thick batteries so they could look like ballers. But I did so well. And if you remember what was going on at that point too, the Bulls were winning championships. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan had just uh. come back. So Singular Wireless at the time was our carrier. And there, I was selling so many phones, all of a sudden the guy was interested in our store. So he came there and he's like, I didn't know how well I was doing because they never kept score. But apparently I was just destroying the district. This guy's giving me bulls tickets for for phones. And I'm I'm making $80 to $150 a cell phone anyway. Mm-hmm. So now I'm rolling with free bulls tickets. Money that is just, I mean, on top of my job, I'm getting that much money for activating cell phones. So it was a lot of money. And you know, a guy my age, you're hurting. I'm buying sports cars. <laughs> I'm buying sports cars. I, you know, I was paying for my own school at the time. But, of course, when you're making $35,000 at that age, working part-time, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Why am I going back to school? Why? Why? There's no way. Yeah, I don't need it. Yeah, school sucks. It's only going to get better it. from is, here. This is it for me. Yeah. I found my way. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working 16 hours a week and making that kind of money. It was the kind of money where our managers would ask us to do something. We'd be like, no, it's not happening. You know, and I, I do feel bad. We did treat some of you guys pretty bad back then, but commission salespeople made a lot of money if they yeah. were good and we just did whatever we wanted.
0: Yeah. And this was at the time that commission salespeople, they were actually respected.
1: Yes. It and- was noble.
0: It was noble. Mm-hmm. It was the elite status, in a, yeah. in a, in a, at least in the retail environment. But even outside about. of retail, mm-hmm. right, even still, I think commission sales, um, you know, you get a lot of freedom, yeah. a lot of autonomy mm-hmm. uh, because you're bringing in the revenue.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing, too, is you had to know what you were talking about. And you had to be the best mm-hmm. because people were going to go and there was only a couple places to go. But they were going to go there. Because everything you were, they were buying was a big purchase. So they're going to do their research to, much like now, but the only research they had was other salespeople. Mm-hmm. So you had to be better than all of them. Yeah. So you had to know your stuff. So we did. We were good. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't mislead a customer because a return means they take money out of your paycheck. Yeah. So you're good, but you're honest. You know, it was actually, we all stigmatized Best Buy mm-hmm. because they were the first to go without commission. And they were killing – they were just killing the salesperson because they were paying them nothing. They didn't know what they were talking about, you know, the stigma. And But they were selling a ton because of their prices. And it's like, what the heck's going on here? And I remember at one point Best Buy was filing for bankruptcy. And we're all like, oh, thank God. You know, that I'm sick of customers coming in. They have information from somebody. They have no idea what they were talking about. But that was a different leadership. That was a different business model for them. It was stack them high, let them fly put price tags on things, Mm -hmm. you know, so stayed in sales. Circuit City owned CarMax at the time. Um, I saw that as the next challenge, and I wanted that. CarMax. CarMax. It was the next jump up for me. Mm -hmm. So I talked to some people there, met a guy there, Andy Kemp. He's actually pretty much one of my brothers now, just one of my best friends. Love his family to death. He worked there, and he's just like, you got to work for me. You got to work for me and eventually i got there and it was great mm-hmm. i mean we worked at the same store together uh we killed it. it it was amazing uh moved to nashville helped open the store there so that was interesting at 21 years old moving moving out of state mm-hmm. <laughs> you know new job new everything uh still not over what happened two, right three years still ago still bearing that yeah. yeah so you're still kind of just living for the day mm-hmm. you know and then you get some dollars in your pocket so mhm Bad. And
0: in Nashville.
1: Yeah, (laughs) by yourself.
0: But hey, you're in music, you know, music
1: city. It was wild. Too wild. Mm -hmm. Too wild. But met some great people there. Yeah. Some great people and learned a lot. Learned a ton. Learned a ton by falling on my face.
0: So then what happened after Nashville? How did you get back to Chicago?
1: So I came back. And why? At 21. When you make horrible decisions and you're tearing yourself apart, Mm -hmm. there's only one thing left to do: what? Go back home (laughs) (laughs) and 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 straighten things out. Go home, yeah. Go home Mm -hmm. because you're safe. When you say
0: tearing like tearing things up or life falling apart, what do you mean by that? Was that happening in Nashville?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Self-destructive behavior, drugs, not drugs. Uh, A lot of alcohol, Um, just too much. Yeah, way too much because. You know, if you're not working, you're thinking, mm-hmm. if you're thinking, you're hurting, and then you don't have your friends around you, yeah. and all you have are memories of home, and the memories of home are what just what you just lost, yeah, so after work, you have to get rid of those memories, mm. you have to you have to get them out of your head, you know, plus you're scared, you're yeah. scared, you have to do well out there. Uh, you have a plan. But you're 21. You're a male, so you're you're not driven by your plans yet. You're driven by your experiences and your your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that all drove me more than what I wanted to do in life. It was like, how do I get this out of my head? Mm -hmm. How do I get this horrible feeling out -hmm. of my head? You know, so just not the right decisions, not anything responsible because it's like I could dig myself out of any hole just by working really hard a couple days. You know, it's just. That's just how it was. Mm -hmm. Like, if I got myself in trouble with money, all I had to do is work hard for a couple days and I'd make it right back. So I came home and I went back to Circuit City. And I knew I didn't want to do that long. And I started going back to school a little bit. But now I had more bills. Mm -hmm. So now I needed more money. Mm -hmm. So school became very...
0: Second second seat.
1: Yeah, and almost a waste of time. And Mm -hmm. I'm paying for it. So, you start doing some some soul searching there, and you're like, "This isn't cutting it. I gotta get my job going first. Mm-hmm. This is what a lot of people do. Let me get this going, and then I'll go back to school. Let me get yep. this going, and then I'll go do that. So I came back to nashville with from Nashville with nothing, absolutely nothing except no, no, it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty much nothing. So I came back just basically with a, I have to pick up where I left off. Learn from that and figure out something. Yeah. Because now three years have gone by and you're like, what did I do with that three years? I have two sports cars, you know, it's like, what else did I do? So after losing everything, being down to one sports car, I had to regroup. So I went back to Circuit City, knew I didn't want to do it long. Um, Everything felt grimy at that point too. It's like, oh my God. This is just getting out of hand and I've I've been here for three, four years now and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going backwards. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to a place called Tweeter, which was United Mm -hmm. Audio. I had some friends that worked there that were like, this is high-end speakers, high-end audio, high-end video. You're not making anything over there. You come here. What
0: are we talking about? Moran's, Martin Logan. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. At Krell. I mean, Pioneer Elite. Mm -hmm. You know, a Plasma TV was $20,000. Oh,
0: my god. Panasonic Plasmas? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, they had a 42-inch, a 43-inch Pioneer Elite monitor, $19,000 on clearance when I was interviewing there. I was like, oh my gosh, if I sell one of those... Yeah, I'm done. I'm rich. I'm going back to Nashville. (laughs) Pick up my dignity. (laughs) So I interviewed there, and and it, it went well, and I ended up going there. And I think... My interview day there is when everything kind of hit me. I had a car. It was a piece of junk. I drove it to my interview. Halfway there, a bunch of stuff blew out on it. It just wasn't going. The power steering went. The transmission went. And I was in a suit jacket in July trying to push my car to a gas station so I could call and be like, on my third Um, interview. Yeah, because you had to go
0: to a gas station to get to the phone.
1: gosh. My third interview. My final one. I can't believe this is happening.
0: Did you make it?
1: Somebody picked me up. It was my boss. Because I called him, like, you're not going to believe this. Yeah. And he's like, where are you? And I told him, and he's like, I'm coming to get you. But I thought he was basically just wanted to check my story, sweating through my suit. Was that what he wanted to do? I thought it was, but he came and got me. We went to a restaurant, sat down, joking, and he's just like, man, you're a mess. And I'm like, I just. Shout out to that boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was Shout just out like- to that boss. He's like, uh, wow, this is bad. And I'm like, this is not going well. And he's like, yeah, it's like your final meal. So I'm thinking he should treat me to a meal. He's like, so can you start tomorrow? I was like, I'll find a way there. I'll find a way there. So that started. It went really well there for me. Met a lot of good friends there, of course. Um, but it did go really well. Again, back in control of my own destiny. You know, making as much money as I wanted to. Um, if I wanted to go in on my days off and, and make money, do it. You know, it's... You work when you want, so that that was working. Best Buy started this thing called the Barry Project, and I think it was about two thousand
0: three. Oh, is this the customer profiles, the persona? Yes.
1: Okay. So apparently, the gentleman was scouting our location for another person, and I guess it overheard me with a, a customer, and then two days later was calling Tweeter wanting to talk to me. Just hey. You need to come talk to me about a job. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Bothering me, bothering me, bothering me. And then he's like, just sit down and have lunch with me. He's like, it's a great opportunity. I need somebody like you. And I'm like, I need to know what you're talking about first. He wouldn't tell me where he's from. Then he goes, big blue box, big yellow tag. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no 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 way. Are you out of your mind? I'm like, I'm making a
0: lot of money here. At that time, would... The equivalent, like the comparison, would be you're working at Twitter and now. You're trying to get you know they're recruiting you from Best Buy to work there in the high end Magnolia section. Mm-hmm. Would that be equivalent to maybe like working at Best Buy now and then Amazon trying to recruit? Like, no. what's the comparison to this?
1: They didn't have Magnolia yet. They didn't have. Oh, they didn't have it no, yet. No, this was this was the project leading into Magnolia. Okay.
0: Because what is Best Buy at that time considered no. better? Mm-mm. Is it considered like the Walmart? It was a joke, g- really.
1: Mm-hmm. Like if somebody came in and they're like, "Yeah, I was looking at some speakers. I was at Best Buy." We'd be like, "Oh my god, sit down. Really? I have to unlearn you." Well, remember at the time all they had was like Clips and JBL, and you yeah. know I have twenty four thousand dollars speakers. Sure, okay. And you know I'm like I'm gonna have to un unlearn you everything you heard over there. You know this is a different ball game. Yeah, and now. They're telling me, and and they only, they didn't pay commission.
2: Yeah, so I was they like, didn't. You
1: can't you can't pay me? You can't do it. It's not possible. And then I, eventually, it was one of those things where, well, I, I have to hear what you have to say. You know, so I did go sit down, and they started. I had to sign a non disclosure agreement. So now I'm like, okay, this is big. I knew through the grapevine that Magnolia was like one of the biggest home theater stores, one of the best. And I heard Best Buy was trying to buy them. And I was like, no. This, they must, oh my God, that must be what they're doing. And
0: so, which is why they were recruiting you.
1: And I didn't know because they wouldn't say. Right. But they were talking about the project. And I was like, this is Magnolia. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Who told you that? And I'm like, I'm, I have to know my business at this other place. Like, I have to know my competitors. I've read in a magazine somewhere. And he's like, what magazine? I'm like, so I knew. I was yeah. onto something. Now I was interested. I wanted to see where this was going. So um, a couple of us, a bunch of us from Twitter got hired. Mm-hmm. And they made, it, they made it worth our, our while um, because it was the start of something different. And that was the change. That's We did the Berry Project. Imagine selling Magnolia style with no Magnolia stuff. We went in there with what they had, which was worlds apart different. They didn't have the stuff they have now. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the stuff they had when you came along. Mm-hmm. Twitter had stuff that Best Buy couldn't touch. And I had to take what I was doing and use their equipment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is hard. (laughs) Like, This is really hard. But it it happened. We did it. We were in Naperville. We were one of the best test stores. Mm -hmm. So we were one of the first Magnolias. So I had been there for a year when my boss came in and he was a little tipsy. And he's like, I got to tell you something. We got Magnolia. We got the first one. I was like, Mm -hmm. awesome. So it was really cool. So there I was in Magnolia. And that's that's where I met you. But yeah. That's that's how I got there. It was a long road.
0: <laughs> so tell me, okay, so now you're at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. You're still making good money because they mm-hmm. Best Buy pays well. I yeah. think as mm-hmm. a company overall, they pay well. They they treat their employees well. Yeah. Um but it's retail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. the part that is really hard for at least Uh, People, like at that time, I was a a mom. Mm -hmm. I was working full-time. My husband was working full-time, also retail, and... You have no outside life. Mm-hmm. Your kids and the schedules, because you're basically on somebody else's schedule all the time. You don't know what you're going to be. Uh-uh. You don't know your schedule three weeks in advance. Right. You don't know your schedule two weeks in advance right. half the time, and you're not working like a nine to four every day. You are working like a ten to seven, eleven mm-hmm. to eight, and that's just the like the schedule, yeah. not including. Anything above and beyond, Mm -hmm. if you actually care about your job, which we did. Yeah, we did. Right? Mm -hmm. So we're putting in basically giving everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's important. I think from that lens, I learned so much Mm -hmm. there. More so than I learned in college, for sure. Yeah. And I don't mean this as a put down on my college. I just mean that there is no substitute for working experience and there is no substitute for being able to get in and um, understand what the – how a business operates Mm -hmm. and how it functions and the requirements um, that it takes to maintain every single day. And that's what I learned there.
1: Yeah. I would tell people if you're in business – and you want to get into the number side of things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to work a job while you're doing that. That was the place to do it. Yeah. I think I I mean I definitely it was like getting another 4-year degree. Yeah. Being in leadership there, having to, you know, deal with controllable costs, uncontrollable costs,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: how much money something costs if it's sitting in this little section for six days over, Mm -hmm. you know, when it should have been gone, how much it's actually costing you per day. Yeah. Or
0: doing those monthly P&Ls. Oh, my
1: gosh. Or even
0: just understanding margin and Mm -hmm. how to train your employees to Mm -hmm. bring in the right revenue or sell
1: the right product. Maximizing the hours you have. Like, when you talked about not having time, this is one of those backwards things where we were always told, put your best people during the peak hours. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like... Well, you got to be fair about it. Well, no, because remember, the economy took a dive yeah. in 08. Mm-hmm. So now we lost a ton of people. I mean, in, in audio and video, I used to work with like 60 people and we had like four supervisors, three, uh, what did they call it? Seniors, four area managers down to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like what I ended up doing when I left, we had like, three three or four managers, four supervisors, and four seniors. That That's the leadership structure mm-hmm. when I left, or when I got there versus when I left, it was just what I was doing. But we had a lot more employees too because money was just coming in. Mm-hmm. So when everything in 08 in happened, we had to do more with less. So now I didn't have, I didn't get to be completely judicious with the hours. I had to take the best people and put them at the best times. Mm-hmm. And often that meant, punishment really i mean think about it fridays weekends i had to i had to put my best people there so i'm having to make a decision to tear into people's weekends so i had to i had to be fair but that's hard Mm -hmm. you know when you're doing it on paper too you're like okay i have to hit this budget and even if i'm above budget i'm gonna have to answer as to why i had these three people in on a saturday at four o'clock you know at the next supervisor's meeting (laughs) you know why where was this person? Where was this person? Yeah. Well, like, you know, you got to let them have a life, you know, and that yeah. was never the answer. Right. So that that was hard to deal with, but it, it made you think too. It made you thinking, I can't punish my good people, you know, because that's what, whether you like it or not, that's what you're doing. When you're taking them away, they could love their job and they could be good at it, but when you're asking them to close Friday, close Saturday, open to close Sunday, you're killing them. Mm-hmm. So... That's hard on you as a as a boss too. Like they're doing so well for me, but at what point are they going to be done with me if yeah. I keep doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, but if you don't do it, you're going to answer for it. Mm-hmm. You know, but definitely a degree working there and doing all that. You learned so much. You, you learned so much. You know what? I
0: remember we would love so we would do Magnolia and and um, <laughs> he trained me. I didn't know anything about anything
1: audio video. You told me you hated TVs. Oh yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at Rich. I go, what the hell? This is what he would do to me. He would hire somebody that knew nothing, hated it, wanted to work in video games, and he'd be like, Here's "Hey, didn't your new I, I learned? What are you doing? I, I became really good. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: very intelligent on the on the business and the product <laughs> after a while, but I I started with nothing. I I knew I had no background, and of which you know you were so helpful for that part, and. I remember we have a love for 90s music. We have a love. Oh we like the same type of music. Yeah. And that, I think. So when you're there Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays and Wednesdays, mm-hmm. right, you know, mm-hmm. um, the only thing we would do, this is how we would brighten up, mm-hmm. is just put on some Journey. We <laughs> would put on some Shakita. We would put on some Mariah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We had a field day. Mm-hmm. and And that was, I think, for me... That helps get you through. It just brightens. For me, music lifts me. Same. And it was enough. Yeah. You know.
1: And that's pretty much what it was. It was enough.
0: Yeah. 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 And you get to work with good people and have conversation and just have real talk and real share real life.
1: That's the things you're going through that make it deeper than the people you met in college and the people you met in high school. And we sat here and talked about how we didn't have time for all that stuff. And I know people are doing that right now and they're shaking their heads. Yeah, I have no time, you know. But when I had no time is when I chose to go back to school full time. Mm -hmm. So I was running appliances, Magnolia and home theater. And that's when I decided to go back to college full time. And that sounds crazy. But I knew if I didn't do it that way, I wasn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Plus, Grace was pushing me. I mean... If it weren't for her, I know I'd probably be dead, or I'd still be like swinging from the rafters at Best Buy, <laughs> you know, doing something crazy, just waiting for my time to come for retirement. Cause that's what it started to feel like after a while. Cause mm. I, I knew I wasn't giving everything I had. And I think Rich was really key in letting me know that. Mm. I think he was low key telling me I needed to do something bigger. Rich Ferraro is yeah. our old yeah. boss. Yes, yes. He actually put my two weeks in. He shook his head and he goes, I'm glad I had you as long as I did, instead of trying to fight me. Yeah. He's like, he, it was... Was... he said, it was only a matter of time before you figured out you could do something bigger. Yeah. I'm like, so you let me do this for nine years? <laughs> no, I. it, it was uh, It was cool to see that. Yeah, It was cool to see that.
0: And he's a great guy.
1: Yeah. I want him on this show. I know. He's so... awesome. I got to be on that one, too. Oh. Put some glasses on him. that would that would be a good show yeah be a good one but i remember what got me is district staff was in one day and i don't want to say who it was but it was somebody talking about future and development and i wanted to see if it was lip service because that's the one thing i learned in in management there is they did a good job of making you feel like they overvalued you and you were lucky to have that spot and i saw a lot of people stressing about that oh my god oh my god If I don't get this, 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 I'm going to lose this job. I'm going to get demoted. I'm never going to get. And I started to take notice of that. Mm -hmm. That was happening to me, too. I'm like, but this isn't my peak. So why do I feel this way? You know, and I noticed that they would train you and teach you to network and use, you know, great business acumen to start great conversations and show that you know what you're talking about. But then they'd make sure that they put you right back in that place. This is your place and you're lucky to be in that place so don't look too far ahead Mm -hmm. and it was somebody talking about personal development somebody saying even if your best is outside of this i want to help you i said i do have a question for you since you've been through it i said i've always wanted to go back to school and my wife's been telling me you've got to do it or you'll you'll hate yourself if you don't finish i'll support you i'll help you i'll be there for you just do what you got to do because you're not going to be happy until you finish and i said uh would a degree in a, help me at this job? Mm, maybe. You don't need it. I go. I know that, but would it help me? And I saw that person thinking of a way to tell me they didn't want me to go to school because they knew that would mean less time at work. I saw them toying with that. So it was at that point I knew at least that particular person, who I valued, didn't have my best interests.
0: Is it possible that they were saying or thinking or saying no based off of the reality that maybe a degree isn't going to benefit you the way that you think? No. Because from my lens, I don't mm. think you need a high school. I don't think you, you need don't. a degree.
1: You don't. But for what I was asking, in wanting to move up into the business and the numbers part of it, mm-hmm. there is absolutely no way I would get into corporate and beat somebody who had an MBA. I disagree. I- from from what I was asking, that was the conversation. Got it. Okay. And some of, the, some of those positions, it's a requirement, not an MBA, a, yes. but a bachelor's I, is a requirement. I, I, so I
0: do actually, yes, you're right. Yeah. A lot of employers traditionally have mm. required you know master's or a bachelor's, I mm. think, out of just legacy, traditional mm. hiring practices. It thins, it
1: thins the herd. Is what it is. And, yeah. and you know what I, I learned? I think it's come on. away
0: from that mm-hmm. significantly. It has,
1: but in some places it still is kept there for a simpler reason. And they want to see if you're going to finish something you start. Mm. Because these days, everybody started college, but not too many people have finished. That's a good point. So I've learned that through moving away from that world is, why do I need this degree? Because I I knew less at my other job than I had coming in here. And it's flatly, I want to see if you're a quitter. We want to see if we get thousands of applications. The number one thing is I can't have people who give up. So we thin the herd by putting that into place. Got it. Okay. The positions that I wanted, I already knew by looking at them that my bachelor's degree was a minimum expectation. Mm -hmm. So when I asked about that, I felt like I was being, and there were other things that went into it, and I don't want to give away too much because that person will know who I'm talking about. But I was being sold as to why I should stay where I'm at Mm -hmm. and that I'd be actually be doing a disservice to myself by finishing because it would take my mind away from what I was currently doing in Magnolia. And remember at the time we were number one in the district at that time. We were, I think the month I left, we were like number five throughout, like uh, out of the 1500 stores, the, the home appliance and Magnolia, we were, it was the highest I've ever seen us. It was two. And when I left, I think it was five. And, you know, they were in and talking. And I was like, okay, the next step,
2: mm-hmm. I think they
1: want me to be a manager. I never wanted to be a manager, you know, 60 hours a week. You know, it would, it would have been a linear pay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it would have been a, a sideways lateral move for me pay-wise. But, you know, more Grace, work,
0: more permit yeah. yeah.
1: And Grace was like, I can't have an absent father. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. And it was then that I knew I had to at least do myself the solid. So that was the day I made the decision. And Grace and I went to the school we had a meeting we went to a restaurant and i said this is it i'm doing it you're doing it did it yep full time school yeah do you regret it no do you love it yes i what want happened? to tell i want to tell people when you say i don't have time it's completely bs well, Especially it's cool now. i went to devry okay at first you know back then it was like oh my god you can't do that that's a for profit and it's this this uh, it's not about that it's about starting and finishing. And when you're this age, you need self-paced. You you need that. Mm-hmm. You can't stop what you're doing and go to a university.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're a father. You're married. You're a manager. You can't do that. I got more out of that than when I went to Juliet Junior College.
2: Mm-hmm. And when
1: I went to you know uh, COD, I got way more out of it because this is my time. I have to learn this stuff in this time because I have to work. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think that because you're a father, because you had those other experiences, maybe that helped focus that and make it a priority for you to get something out of it?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and now it was for real. Yeah. This is my last chance. This is it. I'm paying for it. Uh, yeah. And I only have these three hours today to get it done. Right. So you get it done. And having no time, I mean, when I when I got into medical, I was still finishing school. Somebody took a chance on me. Thank, thank God and i was in the operating room learning i was in cases constantly and i still had deadlines to meet for for school mhm and grace had just given birth to miranda and for some stupid reason i decided to put hardwood floors in my house so you have to you just have to you have to reprioritize you have to just say i'm going to do it if you take 3 hours out of your day just 3 you could do it. You, can you do could. You could do it full time. If you want to do it part time, easily you could do it.
0: Okay. So there's a
1: lot of people. that, Oh man, I just the time has passed me by. Oh, it passed me by. It didn't. You you'll do so much better now mm. because it's it's on you. Yeah. Like, there's pressure, and you don't feel that pressure. You actually get excited, like oh my gosh, this is an interesting chapter. Let me take some note. Like you're so much more responsible, and again, you're paying for it when that first bill comes. You do some more soul searching. Oh my God, that's a big check. Do I do this again next semester? <laughs> and when you see your grades, if you're doing it right, yeah. the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm glad I did. Uh, I'm I'm really glad I did. And I think, I think if it's if what's stopping you, I don't I don't think everybody needs a degree. I don't. But if you want it,
0: if you want it, it's there. Don't let it. Don't let the fear stop you.
1: Right. Right. Because. It's you that's in the way. It's not time. It's, it's not. It's, it's you. You're either scared, you're afraid to start it because you're afraid you won't finish, or you truly think you're overloaded now. And you might be, but add that onto it. It, it might make you better. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I got to reprioritize. I got to be smarter. I got to be better. I got to, I got to manage. Yeah. It'll make you better.
0: How long were you in school?
1: So I only needed to finish two hours or two years at the time. So, I did it for a solid two years. I did cut my last semester back a little bit because I was in the operating room more mm-hmm. and traveling a lot.
0: In an operating room, you mean your current work?
1: Yeah. So my dream was to sell in the medical field. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but I didn't want to just do it in offices or clinic. I didn't want to be a knock on the door type person. But you need to have that skill. Mm-hmm. So I did leave the very nice paying job at Best Buy for – Uh, rico which sold copiers making less than half of that but a chance to make more with commission because I knew people hate copier salesmen (laughs) it's hard the average turnaround at that is 90 days so where I got hired it was 90 days people were leaving just boom 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 it was horrible yeah but I knew if I did well and I put that on my resume when I go to a big time medical firm they would to, value that. Yeah, because I don't have a nursing degree, I don't have mm-hmm. medical school, and it's later in life, mm-hmm. so I need to take the hard route. Yeah. So,
0: and that is the hard route. That had, is not no easy. Yeah,
1: I that had no choice. Not easy. I could have stayed in school. I could have taken some more medical courses, but now, now we're talking another three, four years. Mm-hmm. How how long? How long do I wait? I have to I have to go now. So I took the harder but shorter route, and it it did work out. I met, I I heard somebody talking about stem cells, which was something I liked, sports medicine and, you know, regenerative medicine and things like that. And I called him and I said, are you done interviewing me? He's like, who is this? And I'm like, don't worry about – do you have time to interview me? I'm your guy. I'm your guy. He's like, well, I guess. I mean, can you meet me at Panera? So I met him at Panera.
0: Oh, Panera sounds so good right now. It really
1: does. <laughs> met him there and just we talked for a while and he he interviewed like 65 people. And he's like, you're you're a copier salesman. You're a salesman. You have no medical background. And I was just like, the thing is, is you keep talking about your, your science nerds. Can you teach your science nerd? Can you teach them to sell? He's like, oh. I'm like, okay. Well, you can teach me to be a science nerd. But you I already know how to sell. Yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm in a flight to Boston. I'm in a limo meeting with... You're big time now. It was scary because it happened overnight, literally. You know, I remember staying up till three in the morning studying, and you know, getting my medical term. I took medical terminology classes and stuff like that, but yeah, you know, I wasn't in lab or anything. And all of a sudden, I go from you know selling a copier and running to Panera to tell a guy you need to why hire he me, should hire you. To I'm in a suit in Boston with six C levels hammering me for eight hours with questions. And I'm like, I'm not going to survive. I remember telling Grace, I'm not going to survive this. This is, I'm going to die here. Because they literally, I got in, I got on a limo, got on a plane, got in a limo, got on a plane back home the same day to Boston. So it was like mm-hmm. insane. One of the coolest experiences ever it was is down between me and one guy. And I didn't know that at the time. And they hammered me. They hammered me. But. I ended up in the office with the CEO at the end. And that's when I was like, hey, I'm just happy to be here. Mm-hmm. And I made it this far. If this doesn't work, I could say, this is pretty freaking cool. I got this far. And that's where I sprung the same thing on him. And he, he's a super cool guy. His name's Don Brown. Mm-hmm. Super awesome. I still keep in touch with him too. He said, uh, <laughs> He said, so tell me. He's like, I know you got hammered out there. He's like, just talk to me. He's like, what's the best... Sale you ever made. And I pulled out a picture of Grace. and I said, I talked her into marrying me. And, and his like,
0: wife is just the sweet. And <laughs> Grace is the perfect name for her. It really is. Because she yeah. is, I think, like everybody's saving Grace.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, she does just... trip over things and fall and run into doorways, which is interesting. <laughs> Watch it. But. Watch um, it. <laughs> <laughs> she's got everywhere. But truly, like, amazing. But I, and I wasn't lying. So it wasn't a bit.
2: No.
0: I said that. I go, that.
1: And I was done with answering the questions. I was done with being stuffy. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, that. Look, I talked. And he left. He's like, dude, I say the same thing all the time. And we just started going and going. And he pulls out two cigars and some. And I'm looking at my clock. And I'm like, I'm going to miss my flight. He's like, I'm the CEO. He's like, we'll get you a flight. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, either he's going to tell me. I get it. You're you're older now, and you really gave this a shot, you know, and I appreciate that, but you haven't graduated school yet, and you know that's a requirement, and keep going. You know, I thought I was going to get the pat on the back, the, hey, I love you, but, yeah, yeah. but I didn't care. At that point, I was so happy, and I was tired from mm-hmm. getting hammered by his, yeah. his other folks that I was just letting it fly with him, you know, and we were just laughing and having a good time. And uh, he goes, well, you know, my HR lady – she says you need a degree to work here. And I'm like, Yeah, I know that. And he's like, So why are you even here? What made you think you could come all the way to here? I'm like, Because I'm gonna finish. And I'm like, you saw my wife, you see my daughter, like you see what I'm doing, you see what I gave up. Right. I wouldn't do that to give up now. Right. Like I'm here. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not gonna stop. Yeah. And he just says, listen Me, you're gonna finish. I said, like, well, I'm gonna finish whether I see so you talking about school? Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm like, I'm gonna
1: i I'm gonna finish whether I promise you or not. I'm like, it's it's going to happen. So,
0: And that's what happened?
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't think he was going to hire me. And I was like, okay, he's going to tell me, call me in six months.
0: Yeah. Call me when you finish. Yeah.
1: So I got on the plane and I did tell Grace. I I actually cried. I'm like, I I did it. I did the best I could. I'm like, they put their books away and we were just talking like they weren't writing down. I'm like, I left it out there and that's all I could have hoped for. I got mm-hmm. this far.
0: Were you proud of yourself at that yeah, moment? Did it, you feel defeated? No, I
1: cried because I.
0: You felt happy cry?
1: Yeah, okay. because I couldn't believe it happened better than it could have. Okay. And I told her, I'm like, I, I'm like, Grace, they put their books down. They stopped writing stuff down and we were just talking and we had the best they time. They treated
0: me like a human. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, no, like I'm normal. N- yeah. And one guy out
1: said, he's like, I have to redo the way I think about interviews because of this. He's like, this was really good. And I think it was like maybe a week later, I was down in the dumps. I hadn't heard back. Kicking the copier at the copier place. <laughs> Stupid Rico. <laughs> uh, I guess I got to get this pr- proposal out. And, <laughs> somebody broke their printer and they need more ink. Yeah. Yeah. And I got the call. I'm like, this is the, all right, kid, we'll talk to you later. And he's like, you're my guy. It's not going to be a sexy paycheck. Okay. Like I don't care. Like, what do you think I'm making here? Yeah. He's like, well, he's like, I just, I, you know, I, I want to do this. Right, let's do it. I'm like, well, how are you going to, he's like, I own the company. Don't worry about it. He's like, but you have to finish. He's like, I'm going to check every month to make sure you're enrolled until you finish. And he's like, the second you're not enrolled, I don't care if it's I gave you too much and you're taking a month off. He's like, I got to let you go. He's like, because I got to stick to this rule. I got to stick to this industry rule. Okay. And I said, okay, that's great. So I literally was like, Hi, Felicia. Yeah, bye. Hey. F this copier. I'm like, I hate copiers anyway. I don't even know what that thing does. Like, yeah. get out of here. You know, so that was that was exciting. That was but it was all learning in the operating room. Yeah. You it's literally like college. You don't just here's some training and now you can go sell stuff. I had to do two years working cases. I was probably in 750 surgical cases before I could be a rep. You know, spines, feet, ankles. Faces, like some really crazy stuff. So what I'm doing now is I am in orthopedics. So sports medicine, growth factors, and healing and things like that. So
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but it's funny when you get where you think you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Something else happens.
0: So what what else (laughs) happens? It's okay. Do you like what you're doing now? I do. And are you fulfilled in terms of growth and professional like achievement? Is there's still more that you really just want to accomplish professionally?
1: There's, there's more. Because I didn't go to the prestigious schools that my colleagues did. You know, I was rooming with guys that got cellular biology degrees from Notre Dame and people that went to Stanford and you know, they're on their fourth degree and you know, I'm like worked at Best Buy. Yeah, Good
2: Twitter. <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
1: You know, Best Buy University, we had that. You yeah. know, so my growth path takes longer, but I'm still on it, which is great. You know, when when I got the rep job just this last summer, that's like a brotherhood. You're in. Now you can now you can do this for the rest of your life. But I'm at the beginning part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so I still have I have a little bit of ways to go. But you get that feeling of oh my gosh, I did it. Nobody, everybody said you're not going to do it anyway.
0: You've accomplished. So I did it. Yeah,
1: I'm there. But now I have to learn how to be that mm-hmm. and be good at that,, mm-hmm. so that's going to take some time but <laughs>
0: so explain that to me, so now you're in a position that you're happy, yeah you've achieved a level of success you never thought you would. Mm-hmm. you're working in an industry you've always wanted to work in, and you obtained the job that you really wanted with room to grow mm-hmm. so it's not like you're at the pinnacle, there's no you know downhill slope right now, it's like I'm here, mm-hmm. and I still have room to grow. And I'm good. How do, what does life look like now at that point?
1: It's so it's so funny because it breaks it back down to the basic. You know, it's like people always say, find something you love and do it. And I'd always be like, that person obviously doesn't pay bills. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. I don't love it, but I need this. Mm-hmm. and that, But that shows in your work, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Being fulfilled really changes everything. Changes your your perspective about everything else. Yeah, life. What's fun? What's what's important? Your hobbies. You know, it it literally. It's like it's like a year ago I figured it out.
0: Let's talk about your hobbies. Yeah. Let's talk about your okay.
1: your interesting hobbies. <laughs> so, I had my house broken into. Yeah, while I was in it, and tell us a story. Okay, so I had a surgical case that day that got canceled. And I was working on some things in my office, in my boxers, and it was 8.20 in the morning and I hear a loud explosion.
0: And we're in the suburbs. Yeah. So we're like, you know, relatively safe area, mm-hmm. you know? Statistically, this doesn't happen. Statistically, it doesn't happen in our area. Yeah, I told Kids the Kids are getting that. off to school yeah. or, you know, <laughs> bus. We we don't live far from each mm-hmm. other. We're about five, 10 minutes away, yeah. but relatively similar neighborhoods. Yeah,
1: yeah, And. That's the thing is, I did tell the guy that statistically he was in the wrong neighborhood, but that didn't work. He was still in my house.
0: Wait, what? <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> is that a joke? It was that it I was. didn't get because people still tell later. me that they're like, "Well, statistically that wasn't supposed to happen." I was like, "But it did. Like, yeah, it happens." Got it. And if you're gonna kick in somebody's door, it is gonna be in a more affluent neighborhood. It's not gonna be in a bad part because you're not gonna risk going to jail for twenty years for stealing a plant yeah you're gonna go where you think, think there's there's money yeah so and at the time grace and i didn't have that many bills and we were doing pretty well so we had some nice cars and really nice furniture and mm-hmm. you know and i think they must have scouted us because eight forty 840, eight forty five 45 in the morning on a monday somebody kicked my door and i thought it was grace because when she's late she'll run in the house and the door will kind of slam behind her and mm-hmm. i thought she forgot her lunch So I walked downstairs in my boxers, and there's a guy standing in my house.
0: Was Miranda um, here She's not there. No, okay. Mm -hmm. This
1: is just when it's you two. Yeah, and it was right before Miranda came, like maybe two months.
0: Okay, so Grace is pregnant.
1: Yeah, but she's gone. Thank God. Okay. She just left. She's gone. Thank God. So it wasn't registering with me, and that's the thing that people don't understand is, well, I would have just called somebody, or I would have done this. You don't know what you're going to do. You freeze because you've never been in that situation, so nothing is registering. Mm-hmm. So I see my door blown open with splinters everywhere, and am it's not registering. I'm like, what the hell am I looking yeah, at? Yeah, like, what is this? Why is that? It's not computing. There's a guy in my kitchen seeing me. Look at the door? Yeah. If he wanted to kill me, I was dead because I didn't see him at first.
0: Because, oh again, God.
1: I'm not looking for somebody in my house. Yeah. I'm wondering why there's splinters of wood everywhere. And I look back, in the guy's in my kitchen, and he jumps off my deck and hightails it. And I'm an idiot, and I chase him. Because, again, you just don't know what you're going to do. So, thank God they didn't have the baby there. Thank God Grace wasn't there. Thank God he didn't have hate in his heart. You know, that day, thank oh. you or anything. If that guy had it out for us, nobody was going to help us. So who's responsible for my wife's safety, or my kid, or my dog? It's me. Mm -hmm. I have to be responsible for it. So I thought a lot about it. And, I, you know, when you become a father, especially of a little girl like that, like something happened a couple months after that. We were changing her diaper outside in in our truck, and somebody approached us very aggressively asking for a lighter. And I'm like, we don't smoke. And he's like, I didn't ask if you smoked any kind of – Charged at us, but I got aggressive with him right back and he went away. But I'm like, my God, this is broad daylight and this is we're targets. We're young, we have a baby, we're targets. Everybody's a target. There's evil out there, you know, like we have to protect ourselves. And so I started learning about it, I started training with it, uh, doing a lot of research on just how to safely protect my family, protect my house, protect my kids. And it just became an outlet for me, you know, like after work, get into it, read about it, do some research on it, and then kind of learn. And when my, you
0: say it, do you mean?
1: All of what? it. Like uh, my Second Amendment rights mm-hmm. and what I need to do to protect my family and how often does this happen? Because you always hear it doesn't happen, but it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, now that everybody has this ring thing and they sign up for their apps, how often are we seeing ring videos with people trying to break into people's houses?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we had just this winter, five times in our neighborhood, somebody tried to invade a house. So home invasions are happening constantly. We always hear about it. It doesn't end well a lot. So that happens a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like, okay, well, all the things I've been told don't happen statistically are happening.
0: They're, they're happening yeah. every
1: day, mm-hmm. every single day, you know, and then. You know, seeing that grace is a target, a woman with three small children is yeah. the number one target.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Well, she's got to protect herself. So that's what I mean. It, it's like a, a ball of it. It's like protecting yourself, responsible, teaching, training, because it has to be all of it. Uh-huh. You can't just say, I want this because the government's going to tell me I can't have it. You just, I don't want people like that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So when people are like, I want, I want a gun. It's like, why? Well, because the government's going to take them away, I'm like, okay. Well, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have one. I don't want to help you. I don't want to train you. I don't want to help. No. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. But when somebody's like, I had my house broken into, or my neighbor did, and okay, well, tell me more. How are you going to store it? Do you know how to shoot it? What do you like? It, you know, take them out and let them shoot
2: mm-hmm.
1: and see if they if they're comfortable. They might talk themselves out of it. But just things like that. Like I just you see the spike when things happen or when. Elections come around, and somebody's always like, "We're going to take, we're going to take away your Second Amendment right." You see a huge spike in purchases mm-hmm. because when somebody says you can't have it, you want it. Everybody get it. it. Yeah. So right now, everybody's buying them. Guns, you mean? Yes. Okay. As a gun owner, that doesn't excite me. It scares me because I don't know if you're good with it. I don't know if you're trained with it. And the last thing I want is somebody that. Doesn't know and it's not trained. I don't want them waving one around.
0: And you don't want Miranda going to somebody's house and they have a gun and they don't know how to use it or right. are properly or improperly storing it.
1: Correct. Correct. So it's almost like... But you are
0: still an advocate for gun yes. purchasing, right? You're I'm, still advo- I'm, I'm an advocate for
1: the right. So I don't think everybody should go out and get one. But I think that it's important that the rights we have are preserved. Mm-hmm. Because in a case like that, you are responsible for your family. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is. No one else is. No. So six to seven minutes before a cop shows up, it's over. But the right to say, okay, I am going to be the one to defend my house, you should have that choice. Mm-hmm. But you need to go out and get trained. You need to, to make sure you know your way around it.
0: Is that what you offer in your side business is gun training, gun safety? Gun it's more information in from-
1: and outlets on where to get it. Okay. Um and where to get the right piece for you, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So it's it's good because some people will ferret themselves out. Yeah. You're right. I just wanted to shoot one a couple times. I don't want it. I don't want to devote the time to it. It's not for me. But that's how it should be. Yeah. It shouldn't be somebody saying, nope, you don't get one. Okay, well, are you going to come protect my house 24 hours a day? My, or, you know, yeah. no, but you don't get one. It shouldn't be that way. Um. When you, look at, when you look at what's happening with guns right now, it's so socioeconomical. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the guns themselves because there's so many more legal gun owners in affluent neighborhoods, but that's not where all the gun crime is, but that's who's being affected by all the restrictions. So it's backwards, but I don't, I do want to limit the amount of people that just go buy. I mean, there's so many people. Government says I can't have it. I'm going to go get one. So it stays in your closet for 20 years? You know, is it loaded? W- where are you keeping th- – what are you doing? You know, so it became a hobby to put them together and mm-hmm. care for them and maintain them and talk to people about them.
0: What's your favorite gun?
1: <sighs> I don't know if I have a favorite.
0: Do you have a favorite type of gun? Maybe like a – do you like the handgun? Do you like the rifle? Do you better, like the I'm a better shot. shot with the
1: rifle. Okay. Everybody's a better shot with the rifle uh, because you get to secure it against yourself. Steady it with both hands mm-hmm. and kind of put your body into it. Um, Handguns—they're great for concealment, but I'm a horrible shot with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Holding your hand out like this, and they're heavy. They are, and then they—they they mm-hmm. actually the recoil. I feel like is
0: a lot. Well, the shotgun too, but the recoil for the handgun its just harder for me to
2: control. You're not
1: buttressing the gun or anything, so it's rough. Yeah, but also in a home, a home like a, a home defense situation. Think about that hold your cup of coffee out in front of you while you're scared. (laughs) You know, this is what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of some of the things we think about. Are you defending your home only? Yes. Okay. Who's going to be defending the home? Is it going to be your wife when you're gone? Okay. She's going to need something very light. So
0: then what is it that, how do you guys, you know, share this with amongst each other, you and Grace? Was she on board as well after that incident? Was that pretty much the, yep, we're doing this?
1: Yeah. I mean, we both, we both agreed with the right. We just chose not to, you know, exercise our right. But after that, it was, that didn't make us say, we need a gun. But it made us say, okay, we both know how to use one. You know, maybe it's time that one of us has one here responsibly and we can, we can, you know, kind of protect ourselves. It it didn't make us run to the store. You know, actually it took, I'd say another two, three years before we actually purchased one. Okay. So we took our time, did a lot of research, did a lot of thinking, you know, what ifs, a lot of what ifs, you know, do I want it in my bedroom? You know, do I want it here? What, yeah. A lot of that.
0: And what, how do you guys deal with it with the kids? Do the kids know that you guys have one?
1: So at their age, especially Miranda, I make sure she knows about them at a basic level. And I make sure she understands what the business end of it is. What do you mean? The business end is the barrel
0: oh okay
1: so that way business the the business business okay so that way she understands that that is to never be pointed at anybody Mm -hmm. so even if somebody is playing with a nerf gun i call it trigger discipline she has it she keeps her finger (laughs) off the trigger and she keeps the the muzzle down it looks like she's clearing a house it's quite funny they have a nerf gun and i saw her she's got it pinned to her chest with the barrel down she's like daddy where's Cannon? I'm like, oh, (laughs) she's like, clear. You're using (laughs) proper form. Yeah. And even the boys, they have Nerf guns and they hold it off to the side instead of pointing it at each other. Really? So the only thing I concentrate with them is seeing the form. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't show them everything. And at three, I don't want to put one in their hand and be like, "Yeah." yeah, no. But I want them to understand that the trigger is hot and the barrel is the no, no end. To understand that those are the two important parts of it, and they're never to touch either okay. one, and never to you know. But Miranda, she understands what I'm doing,
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I need her to understand. You never touch these heavy ones, ever, 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 ever. Right, right, but even with your play gun, don't you ever point it at anybody, ever? And if I see it happening, I'm gonna. I mean,
0: how's me. she supposed to shoot them?
1: No, <laughs> she's got. A, she's got. You a, know, eight. it's a nerf. <laughs> hold this L. <laughs> I said, hold this L. <laughs> So, you don't hold the other l, okay, <sighs> so i that's the rule is, and I tell her this way I said that that end never goes towards anything unless you're willing for that thing to never exist again, okay, so whether it be uh, a bird, yeah,
0: poor Miranda, she's <laughs> just trying to play nerf guns, and you're giving her a whole lecture <laughs> and
1: good for a give her a, <laughs> give her a nerf a nerf shank, I said, drop your gun and pull your shank <laughs> it's it's more important than the game, you know yeah. it's like it's more important than the game of aiming your Nerf gun at somebody and shooting them. I'd rather them have targets with the Nerf guns than shooting each other. So I always say, don't shoot your brother. Don't shoot your sister. Yeah, hey.
0: aim at the target. Right. Do the bullseye thing. Right. At the can.
1: And the only reason I gave them Nerf guns is because that's an everyday toy. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to introduce them to firearms. They're kids and they, they want them.
0: like them, um, yeah. But I v- have to
1: make sure they understand that the the act of pointing and pulling a trigger is serious. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's hard at this age to let them be a kid. You got to let kids be kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I say that with politics all the time. Too. You got to let kids be kids. But you got to let kids be kids with this stuff too and slowly teach them what the real thing is. And you got to do that with anything whether it be toy cars and their bikes. But this is important too. You know, but it it is a it, it is a right. And the thing is is you don't know as an outsider how much I love my family and how much I want to protect my family. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter to you as much. So you're not going to be at my house when something happens like that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There's other people you have to protect. Well, I do. It's my job and it's my right. I'm going to protect them. You know? So that's, that's kind of where I come from. I want, I want people to be educated. I want them to be responsible, but I want them to understand that it's a right and it's my right. Like, I don't, I don't get in your house and tell you what to do, don't come to mine. If, if you're uncomfortable with them, don't come to my house. You know, I, I just say, hey, I want to get together with you, but let's do it somewhere else, maybe my house, because I'm really uncomfortable with gun him. being in the house. And you're fine with that. I love that. If you're uncomfortable with that, tell me. That's great. I tell everyone when they come over, I'm like, I have firearms in the house. They're locked up. Are you cool with it? Yeah, I don't care. Or, oh, it makes me nervous. I'm not going to tell them why they shouldn't be nervous. They're a nervous person around them cool. I don't want them ever to fire a gun. I don't want them to see mine. So let's go to your house. Cool. You know, so that's just how I feel about it.
0: Okay, moving on, moving on. True crime podcast. Let's call it what it is. What is it? It's an obsession. It's an obsession. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, tell us about this obsession. Tell us how you got obsessed. I don't podcast. do true crime. Podcasts. Oh, I love it. It's too much. I would get too emotionally invested, mm-hmm. and then I would freak out everywhere. <laughs> like I used to remember when unsolved mysteries. Was oh on, yeah, yeah. And you'd hear all the stories about you know just a regular person, yeah. just and oh, you mean the stuff
1: that. Never happens. Never happens. Never happens. These are podcasts full of it. And
0: then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're, you're going crazy every day because you're all of a sudden aware of all these other yeah. things. That Maybe you, it's better not to know.
1: <laughs> so that's the, that's the funny thing is while I was doing my research about me exercising my right, yeah, I found there's podcasts full of instances that people say never happened. Okay. Like so many that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of podcast episodes based on those things that are statistically never going to happen. And that's what made me get into both. Really, it's like, wait a minute. I've never heard of this story. What do you mean three guys broke into this house, tied these people up, robbed them blind, and then set the house on fire? I didn't hear about that on the news. I never heard about that. It just happened this year. Holy cow. You know, or they're not telling what's going on here. You know, so it was kind of like a mixed thing. But then I got hooked on the stories, the storytelling. And, and I get into a good story. And I just, I like true crime because it's like. True.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it lets you know that there, there's some crazy stuff out there. You know, there, but I can't explain the draw. I think it's always wanting to know what happened. How? How? Why? I think that's why people get obsessed with. Like Ted Bundy or serial killer, like oh my god, I can't get enough of it. Did you, you watch want to know why? Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Did, what did you think about it? It's amazing. He was crazy, but he was so charming and, and so real. That's, that's
0: the crazy part mm-hmm. was he was a regular guy mm-hmm. who lived a very regular life.
1: Ultra intelligent,
0: yeah. Ultra intelligent, and most of them are. And he maintained a relationship, like, yeah. dude. Yeah, and at one time he was basically a family man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why people get close to it. They want to know how, how on God's green earth did that happen? What caused you to switch? Yeah. Yeah. And then there are some people that have a condition where they have to insert themselves and they want to get close to stuff like that. So they get it, they get obsessed on this, Mm -hmm. but then they take it to the next level and they start contacting inmates and they like to inject themselves into a store because...
0: Journalists. It's <laughs> you mean? Just, is that what Not you mean? just
1: not just journalists, but it's big business. There's people contacting inmates and writing them and how they're married and. Oh, you mean um like the the jail girlfriend boyfriend type yeah. things? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, and it's literally I, I just it's learned crazy. this.
0: Like people are looking for love mm-hmm. in all the wrong all
1: places. The wrong places. <laughs> nice, nicely done, but it's it's literally I just learned it is a condition. If if you grew up in a house where the family was dysfunctional and one of the parents was super abusive and had complete control. And one of the parents is gone and it was a tragedy. It's like this perfect mix. You're the type of person that would be drawn to contact one of these guys in prison because it's almost like bringing that element back in your life. They need it. Because people are like, why would you contact? Because it's, it's, it feels normal. Yeah. Because it feels familiar. I have control over this crazy killer now and now I'm a part of his life. It's insane but to me it's always the why and how and how did you not see that? how did you figure it out i like a good puzzle too mm. how did you figure it out or do we know everything about that guy you know and it's just like driving from hospital to hospital for work you hear the same radio stuff over and over and over again now i'm just into the podcasts and oh it's so good so good and i want to do one but i want to do it different like how I want to do, like, updates. I don't want, you know, when, when you go oh, now. Yeah, like,
0: oh, what happened now? Where are they what's now? What's going on
1: now? You know, like, hey, we hear about this case, and there's 14 podcasts about it, and I listened to all 14, and they all said the same thing. hmm Okay, what's going on today? Where's the case at today? Where's the stuff that they didn't tell you? Where's the stuff that the other ones cut? You know, what truly happened? You know, or what's your theory? You know, and is it a workable theory, not some off-the-wall thing? So I just wanted it to be different. And uh, one of the cases that got me into it was the case of Israel Keys, Which is who? So this is a recent one. So Israel Keys was a very quiet, like, uh, he's like a contractor. You know, he built things, and he's a veteran and maintained a family, a daughter. But he was flying around the country and burying kids, kill kits. He
0: would kill them and bury them? No. A kit,
1: like a what? A, a kit, a like kit. a gun, a shovel. Oh, oh a rope. kit. Yeah. And then two years later, when he was in the area, I thought
0: you said he was flying around the country killing kids. No, a and kit. burying. No, the- no, no, kits.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, what? Kit. So he would have these kits that he called kill kits. Okay. Knife, rope, <gasps> gun, and he'd bury them throughout the country, like a treasure map. Yeah, but then like two years later, he'd be in the area, and he'd dig up the kit and he'd kill somebody. And they couldn't, like, they just, they didn't know. They're still just figuring out it's the tip of the iceberg on this guy. So, the reason that the case came to light.
0: Regular man.
1: Regular man? Regular dude. Off the radar. What did he do for work? He was a contractor. He was just construction. Constru- his own business. Which is, and then that's probably how he dug those holes. Well, he, uh, he got caught because I think he wanted to get caught. So, he kidnapped a girl from a coffee stand. He... Killed her, but he kept her body. He sewed her eyelids open. Oh my god! And would take pictures of newspapers with her holding it, even though she was past already, and send them to people saying, "Yeah, she's alive still, but I need I need money." So he like went off the rails. Like he wanted to get caught, but so they finally they finally they caught, caught him. him, and they realized she'd been dead the whole time. She was never alive. He did, yeah, th- that maniacal. So he got caught, and while he was caught, he's like. I don't – and most of them want notoriety. I don't want the notoriety. I want the death penalty. I want it now. I have a 10-year-old daughter. I don't want her to know anything about me. I don't want it – I'm not doing it for fame. He's like, so I'll tell you all the people I killed if you agree to keep me out of the news. You give me a speedy trial and execute me. That will happen. No, because he did it in so many states. Every state wanted their pound of flesh. So he kept giving them cases, but then the other jurisdictions would be like, No. No, we're not
0: agreeing to this. And we
1: have more people that are missing. We want him to tell us. He'd be like, I'll tell you if you agree to keep me out of the news. And long story short, he got really mad because his name started popping up in the news. So he wrote this crazy confession note and killed himself in prison. And they're tying cases to him now. Uh. And they're still finding bodies. So it went from, yeah, I guess he killed two people, to God knows how many he's... They're they're finding kits buried in And he was so, he was so, I don't want to say good, but thoughtful of it that he would bury a kid, rent a car, drive out that way two years later, return the car, fly back, like he was, he would fly somewhere else, drive back home, like he just never left a trail. And if he didn't tell them about all these cases, and he was going to. Divulge more.
0: Yeah, imagine how he kept track of that in his mind, right? Because if there was a spreadsheet or a map, mm-hmm. they probably would have found it as they're combing through evidence, but they didn't. Which is why they needed his story and his testimony. How do you keep track of that? The, the exact locations and the states, like yeah, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: it's it's insane. It's it's interesting though because it's almost like, what aren't we being told? Because he did have agreements in place that they still have to abide by. And his defense lawyer is still being funded.
0: Wait, so they had agreements that they have to abide by the state
1: or the... Yeah, yeah. With him? With his estate,
0: yes. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. Because they signed a... To protect the young girl and everything. But his defense attorney is still to this day being paid for by his significant other. How? How does he have money? He had money. Oh, uh, okay. But that's the thing is she's still paying the lawyer. So it's like why does she need to pay the lawyer?
0: Right.
1: What's going on? Why is she yeah. And they're tracking his travels recently and they're seeing there's missing people in Indiana and in Illinois and he'd driven through and it was like his perfect type and uh and it's it's they're they're just they're really just discovering. I don't know how you get
0: involved on. in this stuff. That's,
1: you know, you just out of need. Like you gotta burn some time when you're driving and you're like, <laughs> Yes <laughs> What's this podcast? You know what I say that, but then I will love I love I love other types of podcasts. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know if you've listened to Esther Perel. No. She is a podcast on relationships. Okay. And so she is a therapist, a clinical psychologist, and she does a lot of marriage and family counseling, but primarily marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And her, her specialty is on the sex drive or the sexual relationship between couples or why husbands cheat or why wives cheat or things like this. This is racy. It was so racy. Oh, you, you know, me, uh, all you have to do when you're married, you know, my husband and I, we've been married what 13, 14 years. Sometimes you just need a little bit of like, like, you know, you watch it, you listen to an episode of another couple going through their stuff, yeah. and you feel all of a sudden really oh, good perfect. about your life. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Well, that's why I listen about Serial Killers. I'm like, Grace, I'm not that bad. <laughs> but then every now and then she'll see like something they did, and she's like, I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not.
0: This gives me a little bit of, you know, roller coaster.
1: I'm just burying kits. I'm not.
0: <laughs> but what I love about it is the insight that she has is so, so, so great mm-hmm. for couples and very common sense. And the way that she talks with them, it's like you're listening to a mm-hmm. private conversation. Yeah. I love that. I cannot get enough of that. And you it, probably it, would get bored out of your mind oh, with I would, that.
1: I would, I would. But yeah. that's not because I don't think there's a need. It's just. We just have different. It's an escape. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. stressful it's stressful running your own business and constantly keeping that moving mm-hmm. in the right direction and making the right call, but then also, if you're working in a case that day that that could be stressful. If you have somebody on and you just wanna zone out I want to watch an episode of something in my brain that takes me away from this world and just makes me sit there and eat popcorn and think so yeah. a long drive that's great. sometimes I have to drive to Indiana for a case, sometimes I have to drive to Wisconsin for a case. It could be a two three hour drive. To me, instead of going, oh, I gotta wake up at four, and I'm like, that's three, that's three podcast episodes. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like, well, that's what I like about podcasts is it's a very passive way to learn mm-hmm. and to just take in content. Um, and it could be educational, it could be very specific and and you know topic based, or it can just informational. Here's a new way to meet a new person that might be relevant to their day to day living, right? And sometimes it's useful to get to know you and just to hear you Maybe sometimes. Sometimes for me,
1: just sometimes, just for me. sometimes, yeah. Don't want not me. all the time. <laughs> That's why I hide now. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's so many divisive topics out there now, you know, and it's like we could pick one and go at it, or we could just sit here and tell people things. Yeah, like talk. politics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is about that too. It's like everybody's got a story, yeah. and everybody's story leads them to why they lean a certain way. And I just think people need to respect that. You know, I think, yes. yes Respect it. Yeah. You know, don't try to change their mind. And if it's something that maybe they just don't know, then persuade.
2: Mm-hmm. In- or
1: inform. In persuading and informing is by asking questions. Let yeah. them tell you why. Yeah, That's it. You know, it, it should be more question asking from you than browbeating. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes I call people names, but it's different, you know, when they come at you sideways and saying, you shouldn't do this and you don't deserve to do that and who are you? Like, Are you paying my bills? Are you raising mm-hmm. my family? No. And even some of my friends, when they start going in, I will say, hey, like, take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you trying to look good in front of other people and look right in front of other people? And that's why you're coming at them sideways? Or are you trying to inform this person? Because sometimes you need to just step back, take a deep breath, and say why. And that's what I tell everybody if they want to say, you're stupid for backing that candidate. You're stupid for backing that candidate. Instead of saying that, tell me why you backed that candidate. That's it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it might
1: not be the candidate. It's possible to be, you know, uh, a left-leaning liberal
2: mm-hmm.
1: or a, left, a right-leaning liberal. It's, it's completely possible to be conservative fiscally and morally liberal. Find out. You guys might have everything in common and you just mislabeled yourselves and you're going red team, blue team, which is stupid. It's mm-hmm. tribalism. Find out. There's this big middle ground and that's where we all are and we could probably pick the right person if we all didn't let the media divide us into two nice little parties. But yeah, you know, I agree. It's hard to talk about that stuff unless you're ready for a boxing match. But be willing to take it. Mm-hmm. Be willing to take it on the chin, you know, because it's got to be everybody's got to tell their story. Mm-hmm.
0: And I do think that there just is more room for having open honest discussion and dialogue. Mm-hmm. From a place of here's who I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not this is even why I believe what I believe, but this is just who I am. Right. And I'll share with you why if you if you're interested, and maybe I'll I'll find a way to enlighten you on my perspective. Right. But my ungoal is just I just want to I just want to show up for you. Yeah. As 100% authentic in who I am. This is something we all do mm-hmm. because there's. I feel like from a from a, a lens of professionalism, we kind of have put personality to the background. Yeah. And that's, where, that's what I want to change. Mm-hmm. I just want to change. I want to bring personality back to business. Yeah. I want to bring personality back to profession. Mm-hmm. I want to bring the person out and then understand the profession or understand the value and the skills that you have to offer.
1: Some people are just afraid to speak up about it. Mm-hmm. And some people just want to say, nope. You're stupid. I'm right. That's the way it is. Check this meme. You know, so I just think people need to – discourse is how this country was founded. Yeah. Healthy discourse. Healthy discourse. have it. Cool. Let's sit at a table that's shaped like a circle and let's go. And we would come together and find the right things to do more often than not.
0: More often than not.
1: Right. But
0: the last thing I wanted to ask you was when you think back about your life and you think back about your story – what are the people that inspired you?
1: It's really, it's hard because everything I did, I don't think I did it the right way. So, inspiration—I I don't know if I had it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like I chose the wrong paths to do the things I did in my in my—I I chose the hardest ways to do it. So, inspiration—it's it, hard to—it's hard to say I have one. Because I think I went in all kinds of different directions, so I feel like I'm still finding my way. Um, I see people like Bill Rancic, mm-hmm. and I think about his journey, and I think that's a person to look up to and look towards. I
0: don't know his journey other than Juliana
1: and uh, and the Apprentice. Well, like his business, like the way he does, the way he rose up through the business ranks and family and all that stuff. Like it's it's cool to be inspired by a man who does that yeah. and, and puts so much value into family. It's hard to. It's really hard to say this is the man, the type of person I am. It's just I'm figuring it out, and I think yep. I'm <laughs> just kind of going. So
0: like us all.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that one though because you got me thinking. Okay. Well,
0: I mean, is there anything else?
1: No, this is fun. You know, that's one of the things when we talked about this. I thought it would be great just to sit down and talk about anything because we can do that. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you. you from being here. I will follow up with you, and I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you for having me. This is awesome.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out Tuesdayswithandrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay
2: hella hopeful in your heart.